0: This is Terrio Media. What to offer a motivated seller? Especially something that would have them sell you their property at a discount. And at a deep discount at that. What pushes them over the edge to sign the contract? Well, let's take a look at that. You ready? Let's go.
2: Welcome to the all new epic real estate investing show. The longest running real estate investing podcast on the interwebs. Your source for housing market updates, creative investing strategies, and everything else you need to retire early. Some audio may be pulled from our weekly videos and may require visual support. To get the full premium experience, check out Epic Real Estate's YouTube channel, epicrei.tv. If you want to make money in real estate, sit tight and stay tuned. If you want to go far, share this with a friend. If you want to go fast, go to reiace.com.
0: Here's Matt. So what to offer a motivated seller? And I'm going to cover it and give you some ideas, tips, tricks, and hacks that you likely have never heard of. But first, let's define what a motivated seller is and why they're important for real estate investors to find. Very simply, a motivated seller is a property owner that needs to sell their primary residence, their rental property, or another real estate asset quickly with minimal hassle, even if it means at a discount. And this is important because... For real estate investors, the foundation of every deal lies within the seller's motivation to sell. Typically, a seller's motivation arises due to certain circumstances that are linked to some sort of distress. Could be financial distress or personal distress or the property itself is distressed. And ultimately, these motivated sellers have bigger fish to fry than trying to sell their property for top dollar through traditional means. They don't have the time or the desire for repairs. They don't want to deal with an agent. They don't want to wait on the buyer's financing. They don't want looky-loos traipsing through their properties and so on. They just want it sold and they want their money now. These are the types of things that have them motivated. Thus, they're a motivated seller and they will exchange equity for peace of mind. I mean, a good night's sleep at this point in their life has a higher value to them than money. And that's where we step in to help them with that. Sounds great, doesn't it? So how do you find them? well, you just got to keep your eyes open and I'm going to give you eight common symptoms to look for. The first is a listing or an ad that includes phrases such as, but certainly not limited to, as is, cash only, TLC, bring all offers or best offer and handyman special. I mean, anything where the seller is revealing the property is in less than perfect condition or the seller is under less than perfect circumstances. Number two, seller is moving out of state or out of the country and doesn't want to be an absentee owner or a landlord. Number three, seller is going through a life-changing situation, such as a job loss, death of a loved one, or a divorce. Number four, their property is sitting vacant. Five, their property has been listed for sale much longer than the average days on market. Number six, the seller over-discloses about the property issues, as this could be an indicator that the owner is ready to negotiate and make a deal. Number seven, the home is listed as an estate sale. It's a pre-foreclosure or it is soon going up for auction. Number eight, the property tweak and you don't want to miss it. Understanding why a seller might be motivated and knowing the symptoms to look for will be integral in the offer that you make. And there is a nice blend of science and art to presenting an offer to a motivated seller. A savvy home buyer recognizes that the seller has a problem. And the key to getting a good deal is by focusing more on solving the seller's problem than the purchase of the actual property. Take care of the problem, the profit will follow. I approach situations like this by teaming up with the seller to help them solve their problem. And the only thing that's going to get in the way of me solving the seller's problem is the market. Regardless of what anyone says or anyone thinks, the market determines the value of a property. It's not the seller, not a real estate agent, not a bank, not an appraiser, not a lender, and not even you. A property is worth what the market is willing to pay for. So If the market doesn't cooperate and allow you and the seller to both get what you want out of the deal, then there'll be no deal. And it's the market's fault. That's the mindset. It's you and the seller versus the market. Now, the obvious offer that will appease any motivated seller is a fast all-cash offer, especially one that allows the seller to avoid doing any repairs. But someone has to do the repairs. So that's where the discount part typically begins but further it's not uncommon for a seller's needs to be met without cash at all and there could be other aspects that are more important to a seller for example getting out from underneath the pressure of mortgage payments or finding a new place to live or assistance in getting rid of bad tenants or avoiding foreclosure and preserving their credit score all of these things can have tremendous value to a seller and some can be priceless even so with all that said I approach each interaction with a motivated seller with the idea of, I'm going to purchase this property based on my price and the seller's terms or the seller's price and my terms. I just need control of one of those two things, either the price or the terms. As long as I can control one of them, I'll be able to make a deal for myself. Let's start with the price. I mean, the price is the price. There's not much need for an explanation of what that means. But some examples of terms that I include in an offer in exchange for either a better price or they'll give me the ability to pay a higher price and still realize a profit are one, all cash, two, no appraisal contingency, or three, no financing contingency. I could purchase it as is, could pay all the closing costs for the seller. The seller could carry back financing, maybe a payment moratorium, or deferred interest, a balloon payment is another great term, or a maintenance credit, or a lease option, or a rent back. Closing on the seller's timeline is really valuable to them a lot of times. Purchasing subject to the existing financing. If you'd like a list of the most common creative financing terms that I use in my offers and negotiations and and some templates of how to put them all together, you can grab the same cheat sheets that I give to my private clients at Epic below in the description for you as well. So first, you discover the seller's motivation by building rapport and asking questions and take your time with it too. You know, most motivated sellers aren't finding themselves on winning streaks in life at the moment you make contact and they may be angry, nervous, or scared. So keep that in mind. Be a friend and take your time with them so that they like you, so that they trust you and that they have confidence in your competence and your willingness and sincerity around helping them. Second, once you know what their motivation is, or the problem, if you will, piece together the terms that I share with you to help solve their problem and present it to them. This is something I spent a lot of time on with my private ARIA ACE clients. Is this right here what we're talking about? This is the money-making skill of a real estate investor. Generating the leads, that's easy. Finding the money for the deals, that's easy. Finding buyers for your properties, that's easy too. All of that is easy. If you get this middle part, the presenting of the offer, right. If you'd like to hop on the phone and talk about what this might look like for you to become a private REI Ace client, take a look at what I put together for you over at REIace.com. And when you get there, answer a few questions, and then you can just pick a time for us to hop on the phone to discuss. That's all for now. Thanks for watching. Take
2: care. I'll see you soon. We'll be back with more right after this. Hope is not a financial strategy. Let's get back to work.
0: What is the velocity of money? You know, the fact that you asked the question says a lot about you. And I'm really excited for you, too, because of it. Because, you know, every investor needs to understand it and how to apply the concept to their investing. I mean, if you'd like your $1 to work like it was $2, or maybe you'd like it to work like $3 or $4, I'm going to break it down for you right now on exactly how to do that. So the velocity of money is a measurement of the rate at which money is exchanged in an economy. It is the number of times that money moves from one entity to the other. It also refers to how much a unit of currency is used in a given period of time. Simply put, it's the rate at which consumers and businesses in an economy collectively spend money. This is really important stuff, but at the same time, so far, training.com. All right, imagine an economy of exactly 10 leprechauns, who all go by the name, you guessed it, Lucky. And each of them are completely identical in every way. And each of them is holding a giant red lollipop. Now, the lollipops are for sale for the incredibly low price of exactly $1. In addition to a lollipop, one of the 10 leprechauns is holding a dollar bill. Now, this $1 bill is the only money in the economy. So we can refer to it as the money supply. So this leprechaun, acting out of genuine zest for life and and an unwavering zeal to improve his standard of living, approaches the leprechaun closest to him to buy his lollipop. Now, after exchanging the dollar for the lollipop, the first leprechaun now has two lollipops. The second leprechaun is ecstatic because he now has a dollar. However, within a few seconds, he realizes that he is without a lollipop. And so he approaches the next leprechaun asking to purchase one with his newly acquired dollar. Again, the dollar changes hands and settles in the hands of another leprechaun who is temporarily happy until he realizes that he greatly desires a giant red lollipop again. So this scenario, it plays out again and again and again until every leprechaun has spent a dollar buying a lollipop and the dollar ends up back in the hands of the original leprechaun. Everyone has a lollipop and there's still only one dollar bill in this economy. You see, the velocity of money is a result of how fast and how many times that $1 exchanged hands. The more times and the faster the money exchanges hands, the healthier the economy. What I want you to grasp here is it was just $1 that purchased 10 $1 lollipops. That $1 performed as if it were $10. Now, you know how the velocity of money works in an economy, right? But that's not what this is all about. What I want to show you now is how you can take this velocity of money concept, and put it to work in your investing, creating a healthy, happy, and abundant investment portfolio performing at a multiple of 10, just like the left. You won't want to miss it. All right. Now I'm going to transition from using the term velocity of money to velocity investing, as that's, that's what I call it. So back to our leprechauns. Those were 10 different beings, right? But in this example, we're going to swap those 10 different beings out for 10 different assets. And in this example, We'll use income properties as our asset, and then you'll be the investor. So imagine you've got $100,000 to invest, and you use it to buy one of these income properties. You place a tenant in the property, you collect rent from the tenant every month, and then you just do that. Nothing fancy at all. Don't do anything else. You're just a boring buy and hold real estate investor. And Then after a year or so, you've collected several thousand dollars in rent, and the property has appreciated several thousand dollars more. So you go to the bank to apply for a mortgage to buy a new income property. You use your several thousand dollars as a down payment and now you own two income properties. You do the same thing, nothing different, place a tenant in the new property, collect rent, sit and wait. That's it. Now you've got two income properties producing a monthly income and you have two properties appreciating. So after a year or two, you have enough money for another down payment to purchase another income property. Again, same thing. Now you got three tenants that are paying you rent every month while all three income properties are appreciating. Now, because you've got three performing properties, when it comes time to purchase the next income property, you actually have enough money now to buy two more, now giving you five total income properties, all paying you an income every month, all the while they're all appreciating in value. And if we stopped here, owning five income properties, how much money did we need? to buy all five. So we only needed enough money to buy the first one, right? The $100,000 that we used to buy that first property, we used that to pay for the first one, which ultimately purchased all five of them for us. And you don't have to stop there. You could keep leveraging the velocity of money, uh, your velocity investing, and the pace would pick up as time passed. But initially, the velocity started out kind of slow, didn't it? It did, because you had to wait each month to collect the rent checks and then you had to wait for the market to appreciate. But what if we could start much faster without using one penny more than that original $100,000? Well, you can. And here's how. This time, instead of using just income properties as our assets, we're going to diversify it. We're going to mix it up a bit. You see, we could start by depositing that $100,000 into a whole life insurance policy, where it would be very conservatively invested in the stock market at 5% or so. Nothing to write home about, I know. But as soon as we deposited our $100,000, we could immediately take a loan against it and purchase, say, Bitcoin, which over the last 10 years has averaged 150% annual return. Much better. Now, our $100,000 is working for us in the stock market at 5%, and it's also working in the Bitcoin at 150%. But we know that Bitcoin is still an unproven asset, not to mention it's extremely volatile. So rather than letting it just sit there, We take out a loan against it and then go purchase an income property. So within a month or so of transactions, our $100,000 has purchased us $100,000 of stocks in our life insurance policy, $100,000 of Bitcoin and $100,000 worth of real estate. You see now that original $100,000 is working for us almost immediately as if it were $300,000. In the previous example, it would have taken us a few years to get to this point. The velocity of our investing is working much faster in this second example.
2: Thanks for sitting tight while we pay our light bill. We'll be back right after this. Ever hear someone say, I have too much money? Me neither. Let's get you some more. Back to the show.
0: Today, we're going to talk to an REI Ace client who's had an amazing amount of success very, very quickly investing in vacant com. Alrighty, so without further ado, please help me welcome REI Ace private client, Mister Devin Romberger. Devin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad I could. You this time. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Yeah, we missed that missed out each other a couple of times. But um I put this in the thumbnail. This was a little boxer message right there in the middle that I got from your coach Josh. And he says, You gotta talk to, to Devin, he's doing really well. And he started from scratch and doesn't know didn't know anything. I literally had to explain to him like the, the most basics of basic things and, and here you are, you just went out and followed the rules and or followed the instructions and you're doing really, really well. So I wanna talk all about that. But before we get there, um or go there, share with me uh what was it that you were looking to accomplish. <laughs> you know, just before we started working together?
1: Um, Like on the property or as far as like getting into
0: Epic? Well, yeah, just just getting involved with Epic, getting involved with real estate. You know, what challenges were you looking or were you looking to solve in your life right now or then?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, right now I'm a student Hmm. and um, throughout my life, I pretty much like worked a lot of blue collar labor jobs and kind of realized I didn't want to keep doing that for the rest of my life after seeing all the people around me you know, suffering at an older age. And I thought, well, I don't want to put my body through that. And, um, my goal would be to just have passive income and have the freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I wanted. And I thought, why not now? Like, it's a good time to start when you're young. I don't have a whole lot of responsibilities as far as kids, as far as, you know, a job, uh, family, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, like a really good time to try it out and see what I could do.
0: Sure. No time like the present then. Yeah. <laughs> so so this was just you on, on your own. You're a bachelor, right? Yes, sir. Okay. No family or anything like that. And you've got this blue collar job or a, a slew of them. So what would it have meant for you personally, if you were able to, uh, you know, kind of put that behind you and create this passive income for real estate for yourself?
1: Just give me an opportunity to do things that I've wanted to do. Um, a lot of times I say like, oh, I can't do this because I don't have time for it. Um, like I want to take a class doing something, but it's during a time that I'm working or doing something else. So it would just be nice to have that time for freedom and um, to learn things that I want to learn, help people I want to help and not just be limited by time and where I'm supposed to be at a certain time. So,
0: Perfect. Perfect yeah we all have our different reasons for getting involved in real estate, and they all kind of fall right into that little category, right? yeah, in our, in our time back, being in charge of that for sure. Excuse me. okay, super. So this is what I wanted to uh, talk to you about today. W- when did we start working together? When did you join start working with that I
1: first went to my very first meeting in November, but then I actually started like working with Josh and Matt back and around like the turn of the year, beginning of January.
0: Okay. So here we are just a few months in, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And share with me your experience with real estate up to that point.
1: I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't have any experience in it. Never done anything like it before. Right.
0: Super. Okay. Cause the reason I asked is I got this, um, Josh, your coach, uh, text me or boxered me saying that, um, you just heard that you were going to be on the show today and he said two cool things about his story that, uh, that you should address. One is that he literally had less prior real estate knowledge before RAs than any client that he's ever ha- uh, been able to work with. So you ha- you started with nothing, knowing nothing is what he said, and, and he put, gave an example. He literally had to explain what the difference wh- or what a title company did and why an investor friendly one was important. And then secondly, he said um, he's had all his success through one batch of REI print mail, so just one direct mail campaign, and. Uh, he said, this would be a good testimony to what we've set up for you over here. So we'll talk about those things. And so with this one right here, it says, just got another one under contract. So obviously there's more than one. So let's talk about the first one. How did that that play out? How did you find the lead and have that conversation go and kind of walk you through that process?
1: Yeah. So uh, it started out with REI Print Mail. I talked to Emmy. She's okay. really great. I got to give a lot of credit to her as well as Josh. But I sent or I talked to her and we agreed to print out a thousand postcards to different towns around my area, probably about like a hundred mile radius. And within like two or three days, I started having all these calls. I was getting probably 20 to 30 calls a day. And I was just Mm -hmm. taking as many as I could. Yeah. Yeah. Just taking as many as I could, writing down their information. I missed a lot because I mean, I would be driving to the store or something like that or talking to someone and I'd be getting phone calls. So I just have to like put on silence. So, um, yeah, I had all these different people calling me. So I tried to put them in my REI, uh, uh, black book, like as best I could for the time being. And, uh, I organized the list of just five, six people at first in the town that I wanted to look in and, um, just kind of visit them, check out the property, see what they had. And then from there, I was going to present my offers. And, um, yeah, I the day, went to the town and met some people and, um, sent out a bunch of offers. And one guy and I kind of clicked from the get go. Um, he, he had an extra property that was inherited from his parents and he wasn't using it. So I, I gave him an offer and, uh, he, he liked it. So, um,
0: yeah, everything worked. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what the process. So which market are you in? Because you sold you sent out a thousand pieces of, of, of mail and you got, you know, that many calls. I'm, I'm curious which markets you're in.
1: Yeah. So I'm in, uh, Tryon, Wyoming, which is the capital of Wyoming. Uh, it's right in the s- southeastern part and like in Northern Colorado and Eastern Nebraska. So I tried not to limit to myself to specifically Cheyenne, Wyoming, but that hundred mile radius that kind of includes three States. So it gives me a little bit of okay. opportunity.
0: Very good. And, you know, I'll just give a little plug to Emmy. She's here to help the whole Epic community. Um, you can go to callemmy.net. You can jump on her, her calendar and she'll walk you through this process. And And the reason I'm kind of pointing that out and took the, the liberty to do this shameless plug right here is that she has a load of information and stats from all across the country with regards to to what lists and what marketing pieces work in each market. And there's sometimes she'll say, "Nope, this isn't going to work here or you're going to need to really amp up your budget significantly for this to work. Um, So you had that call with her. You sent out a thousand pieces. So I imagine that was a pretty targeted list. Do you have an idea of what that actual list was?
1: Um, Well, I didn't have a whole lot of options because my town only has a population of 60,000 people. So basically any house that was for sale, any vacant house, anything like that, I sent them to pretty much everybody that I had um Mm in my area okay i couldn't like pick and choose so i just um i had her help me out she set up my list for me she just found uh like a list of criteria that i was looking for as far as you know three bed two bath house um and whatnot and she sent them all out for me so i really didn't have to put together my own list per se Mm -hmm. yeah
0: okay well good so so that, that was a pretty easy gig for her then. And sometimes it, it works out that way. So that's good. Yeah. Um, do you remember what kind of mailing piece you sent out to get that type of reaction?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so in my area, it's uh, very... Um, everyone likes to have hospitality here. And there's a lot of hospitality. So I sent about as basic as you can get. I did the handwritten letter. And I had a lot of uh-huh. success from it. It just... I thought it would fit very well for around here. A lot of people are older and retired and uh, something like that's
0: a lot more sentimental to them. So, Guys, so more personal, just like a yellow handwritten letter type thing? Yeah. That was perfect. Okay, cool. So you, you got the calls came in, you started interacting with them and you've set, you set out some offer, you set some appointments, you sent out some offers and then one of them popped. So you got one of those offers accepted. Um, was there anything unique or special or you just kind of like gave him an offer and they said yes? Um,
1: well, he was a pretty motivated seller. He needed the money at the time. So, um, that was kind of hard to find because a lot of the people that I found that wanted to sell, they weren't motivated sellers. They just have a lot of properties that they don't want to take care of or manage because they're getting old. So this was the actual, like the only motivated seller that I had within those six people that I went to see that day.
0: Okay. Well, good. I mean, those numbers are actually about right. So, so that means you were doing it right. Um, so you got the property under contract and then, uh, then what's next? What was your, your exit strategy?
1: Oh, wow. Um, so it did not go as smooth as I thought it was going to go. Um, it wasn't the first Uh one. So I was kind of expecting that, but, um, I struggled a lot with like how everything was going to play out logistically. That's why, like, I was mm-hmm. questioning Josh so much. I'm like, which title company do I go to? And like, thankfully, I did reach out to him because I almost went to the wrong title company. So he saved me a lot of time doing that. But um, mm-hmm. that was the first thing I did. I sent the contract to the title company. They uh, they told me to you know hold off because I didn't have a buyer yet. So they said just uh, hold off on actually filing it until I can find the buyer, and then we can do it all at the same time. So. Um, Lo well, and behold, I put it on Facebook that night and within one hour, I had a buyer that put a down deposit on the property, uh, put $1,000 down just for me to take it off and hold it for him. So I did that and um, waited for him to sign the purchase agreement and that took about a week and then it actually finally got signed the same day that I came down to do the accelerator. Like right when I got... Okay.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Because you came here and you just gotten the contract signed that day. Yep. Super. So. And then I was going to follow up with you to see how that played out. And then uh, when I did, uh, Josh had told me, "No, you already are on already on your second one." So you found the buyer, and do you mind if we throw out a number there? What you actually made on that very first deal?
1: Yeah, so that's I got under contract cool. for forty thousand five hundred, and I ended up selling it for yeah. sixty thousand. So I made eighteen thousand five hundred profit after you know all the closing and
0: whatnot. So that's not bad for your first deal. Yeah, not bad for a contract split. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> very, very very good. And so obviously it took it was the buyer's money. So you you sold the contract and required any of your own money to to be part of this deal, right? Right. Perfect. Okay, cool. So awesome. So looking back um on that first deal, I want to talk about your next one here in a second, but looking on that first back on the first deal, what would you say uh what were your most valuable lessons that you got from that?
1: number 1 like it's important to actually talk to someone who's actually doing the work who's actually done it um if it wasn't for Josh like I wouldn't be here in this position not this fast at at least you know i mean i'm sure you can mm-hmm. look up this information anywhere but to have someone that has actually done it and gives you advice on you know what to do in certain situations it's like it's priceless really so right
0: right yeah Josh is uh, was a former ARA's client and now he's my assistant coach so you were working with josh if, if people are wondering who josh is but the uh, perfect so he guided you through this because you know you can have all the, the the uh the systems and the resources and all the tools and everything the instruction but at some point you are got to get stuck everybody gets stuck and you need to like connect some dots there and that's what josh did for you what else did you learn from this transaction
1: Learn that it's possible that's one of the uh, like driving motivators for me on this first deal was just to see like is it really like Possible to make money with no money that's not even yours. So, um, yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, Yeah. I also learned the value of establishing good relationships. Um, Where I'm from, there's, you know, it's very limited people. We only have 500,000 people in our whole state. So, uh, connections are everything. Um, Uh Just meeting with people, a couple of the people that wanted to buy it were also contractors who you know, had wives that were realtors, stuff like that. And I mean, you meet someone like that and they know the whole town already. So um, it's very valuable
0: to have different connections like that. Super. Yeah. No, I, I would say uh, evidence, like knowing it's possible, as you just mentioned, that was what really set me off on my very first deal was when the guy next to me closed the deal. And I was like, wait a minute, he was in the same class I was in. He got the same instruction, the same education and he's actually doing it like it does work so once i had that belief then i was off to the races so yeah you know once now that you've got that under your belt and it was you that provided the evidence for yourself that's awesome and then uh you discover that it's a people business right and so the relationships count if uh you know every piece of real estate you buy sell is going to be from or to another person now you discover that then you're going to get lots of access to other relationships so fantastic so super um all right so the reason I wanted to, I fast forwarded this and brought you onto the show as soon as I could was because of this just got another one under contract. So explain to me: did this come from the same batch of mail, that lead generated the same way? Yeah, I'm actually still working on
1: that same batch of mail. Okay. I haven't even done anything else with Emmy yet. We have a plan to, you know, do something in April, but I'm still feeding off those ones. But um, I actually, I don't have it under contract now. The owner had to back out because he. Uh, okay didn't have a clear title yet, so we wanted to wait. So I'm gonna get them right. to call this next week and see if we can get it going again. But I have another property that's it's very close to being under contract. And uh okay. if you want I can tell you a little bit about that one right.
0: Sure, please. Like so all of this has come from just the, the single direct mailing that you set up with Emmy, right? Yep. Okay, perfect. And then you're just the calls are coming in and you're just following up with them. Right. You taken them through the nine point seller interview that we went through at the summit? Yes. Yeah. That's okay.
1: That's how I started. Every yeah. single call I would do the nine point seller interview. There was times I had to um kind of improvise, you know, I didn't have it with me or something like that. So I just do the best I could. Um asked them if I could, you know, schedule another appointment to talk to them further and then I could actually like look at it and see what I need to ask them. But yeah, I found it very helpful really to
0: use that. It's perfect. Especially in that work. cool so Awesome. So, um go ahead and describe this one that you're working on right now and maybe there's something that we can do to actually get the signed up.
1: Yeah, so um it's actually in the same town and it's a four bed, two bath uh it's about 1500 square feet. It's uh like a ranch style home, single level and uh it's a uh, the seller's a very motivated seller. It's, it's uh, another inherited property. They live uh, about 300 miles away and they just don't want a property to deal with. So it's like a pretty ideal situation, you know, f- to, to buy a property. So, um, I just went up there and talked to them on Wednesday. I uh, did a view of the house and kind of, you know, asked to see if I could help them out with anything. Cause they still had quite a few things to move and I don't want to like pressure them into moving or, you know, selling real fast. I always try not to do that. I don't want to be that person but uh, talked to them a little bit, got to know them pretty well and kind of showed them what would be a fair offer for their house and how much they're looking to get for it. And um, we seem to agree on a price. I don't want to say it's confirmed yet because I haven't had the contract signed, but they were very happy with the offer. So I'm just waiting to hear back from them and I'm probably going to talk to them next week, Monday and give them a call and see what,
0: how things are going. Perfect. Awesome. So what have been your, your three favorite things working with Epic so far in, in these three short months?
1: Um, three favorite things. First and foremost is definitely the coaching. Um, it's nice to know like, if I, if I need to talk to someone about anything, I'm not experienced at all really with this still, even with this one deal. Um, it's just nice to be able to reach out and ask, you know, for help and say, like, hey, what would you do in this situation? There's a lot of situations that you'd run into that you need the experience to make a decision, really. And, like, uh, like, you know, for example, a lot of houses around here have asbestos. And, like, I'm like, what do you do in that situation where you run into, you know, uh, hazardous materials, stuff like that? So it's nice to just call up someone and ask, like, hey, what can I do in this? How do I negotiate it? Um, stuff like that. So, and the other, I guess, is the relationships that you make. That's very b- valuable. Um uh, not just for real estate, but just, you know, finding like minded individuals you can talk to and make friends with and uh, to talk more about these things. And then um last most most important thing. Uh, I don't know, those two have pretty much summed it up for me, really. That's
0: it's good enough, you know. Yeah. I mean uh, some, some guidance from someone who, who's been there and done that. And then some like-minded relationships, uh, yeah. you know, you don't need a whole lot more once you've got the instruction, it's just the support that's really yeah. kind of brings it all together. Uh, yeah. So super. Thanks for sharing that. Um. So moving forward, what do you see for the future now?
1: Well, I was, uh, I was questioning this because I, you know, I'm pretty new to this. I didn't know what to expect. And I mean, I didn't know if I had a hot market or not, but after like talking to you and talking to Josh, it seems like I'm in a really good market where I'm at. So, I mean, it looks like it could be very promising. So I'm just going to keep putting in my work, um, advertising, advertising, advertising. Um, right. And then, yeah, taking advantage of opportunities that I can really, especially while the market's this hot.
0: Right. And I think it's going to be hot for a very, very long time, despite what uh, some points of view out there might say. Um, Just the supply and demand is is so much in real estate's favor that I don't think there's a a better business or industry to be in at the moment, at least on uh, specifically on the investor side. Uh, And then going into an inflationary environment, the one that we're going into right now, and just inflation goes up and up and up, and there's no better asset class than real estate in that type of environment, and get the asset class that actually produces an income that's rises with inflation is even better. And you know you start implementing creative financing strategies, which we'll get to with you as we go along, but you get someone else to pay for that stuff. Mm -hmm. All the better, like you're going to make it. So awesome, Devin, thanks for taking time out on your Saturday to, to share this with us. Can you finish this sentence for me? I almost didn't work with Epic because. I
1: almost didn't work with Epic because I didn't think it was legit from the start. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a lot of, you see a lot of companies, you know, advertising stuff like this, and you don't know what to expect. Uh, I took a pretty big chance doing it. I didn't know what to expect, but I thought, like, you know, some people spend thousands of dollars, you know, to get themselves through one semester of school. Like, like, what's this right. going to hurt, you know? So, I did it. Took a chance, and I can say, like, it's it's legit. Really, I have no complaints. I got to thank everyone because it wouldn't be possible without everyone. So,
0: Right, right. right, Super. Well, thanks, Devin. I, um, stay in touch and uh, we're just getting started. Yes, sir. All right, man. You have a good day and I'll talk to you soon. And that wraps up the epic show. If you found this episode valuable, who else do you know that might too? There's a really good chance you know someone else who would. And when their name comes to mind, please share it with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here and I'll take great care of them. God loves you and so do I. Health. Peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Theriault, Living oh. the dream. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, hope world, we got the cash flow.